So Money, episode 585, Allie Brown, entrepreneur and host of Glambition Radio. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Happy June 12th. An incredible guest today. She went from having just $18.56 to her name. That's what the ATM slip said anyway. Maxing on her credit cards to starting a multi-million dollar business. Now, it didn't happen overnight, obviously, but she was that broke and she was in the process of launching her own career. She had left her full-time job at a small ad agency to become an entrepreneur and she lands at broke. Some people would have thrown in the towel and started looking for another full-time corporate job, but not my guest. Her name is Allie Brown. You may have heard of her. She's a big deal. She's a big deal in the entrepreneurial space. She's got her own podcast called Glambition Radio. Allie and I talk about the steps that she took to go from broke to millions. Allie is a force to be reckoned with. She's been named the Entrepreneurial Guru for Women, included in the Ernst & Young class of entrepreneurial women, and is even an entrepreneur delegate for the UN. I'm really excited to have her on. She's a fellow podcaster, as I mentioned. On Glambition Radio, she interviews top entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and business leaders. We talk about how she got over the $18.56 hump the one big tip she has for budgeting, and how she encourages her clients, which include female entrepreneurs, to set their prices. How do you know what you're worth and how to go out there and get it? Here's Allie Brown. Allie Brown, welcome to So Money. I'm only sorry that we've taken so long to connect. I'm a big fan. I'm girl crushing right now. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, this morning I was telling my husband, Brett, I'm like, I'm finally talking with Farnoosh today. Yay. I can't believe it. And we were also saying before we got live that we're so happy this is not on video because uh, folks, you'd be surprised to see what I'm wearing or maybe not because you know me that well. I'm wearing like a free sweatshirt that I got in the swag bag. <laughs> my hair's in a bun. I just came from the gym. And, um, you know, Same here. my, my t-shirt's Marona, Marona from Target. <laughs> oh, it's I like, love that brand. I, I know everyone's like, I like your t-shirt. I'm like, thanks. It's Marona. It's Marone from Target. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that brand. Target has some really good clothing, ladies and gentlemen. Just they, they actually do. When you know what's interesting? Yeah. When you have the kids and you're in, you, you end up going to Target a lot suddenly when you, I didn't release much before kids. And then you just start kind of picking things up. And suddenly one day you're mortified at what you're wearing. Allie, thanks for coming on the show. You know, I'm, I, I, I've been really uh, admiring you from a distance. And uh, for those of you who uh, are listening may not be familiar with Allie's work, you know, she is a top entrepreneur. You're the host of Glambition. And I know many people who have gone to you to help them go from good to great with their business. You're a massively sought after coach. Um, you have 250,000 followers. Where you are today is much different from where you started out. And I want to start from the beginning when you were transitioning from your career in advertising to becoming an mm. entrepreneur. You had horror stories, financial horror stories, um, which would have broken some people, 
but it only made you be more persistent. So take us back to maybe one of your tougher times. I read that you were broke with just less than $20 in your bank account. <laughs> Everyone um, loves this story. Right? I didn't tell it for years. And then I told it and it, people would come up to me events and they're like, are you going to tell the ATM story? I'm like, is this <laughs> going to be the bane of my existence the rest of my life? Sorry. Uh, that's but we okay. live no, for these stories on this show. It's good to go back. And I, before I do any kind of speaking, I always take a mental moment and put myself back in that time I made that decision because it's a decision a lot of people wouldn't have made. And that is, you know, I, I went from job to job in New York and I thought something was wrong with me, but I just wasn't really employable. I didn't enjoy having one type of job. I always wanted to do different projects. I would get into trouble because I had too many ideas. I wanted to improve things. Most people don't actually like that when you're at a job, especially when you're 24 and 25 and telling people how things should be. And, um, I decided to to quit and because I found out about this whole thing called freelancing, which I hadn't even been aware of. And anytime for me, this is a, a good thing and a bad thing sometimes. If my awareness shifts, it's like the matrix. It's like I took the red pill and I can't go back. And I knew that I, I wanted to work for myself, but I was in for a rude awakening because I didn't know the first thing about, you know, marketing, getting clients and all that. The money thing, um, was, was, it's always been an interesting journey for me. I, I never had, uh, it's, I never had a survival fear around money. I've always had kind of this, I don't want to say magical mystery tour kind of attitude about it. But, um, I remember that moment when this was a few months into my new quote career <laughs> on my own, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and I was getting some gigs and, you know, I wrote a brochure for a funeral home. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, I was taking little projects and I remember going one night to the ATM because I was going to go out with some girlfriends and take a break. And it said, you know, it's not going to give me the $20. It said, your balance is 18 to 56. And I'll never forget that number. And I remember thinking at that moment, well, I had to just, first of all, just process that I probably wasn't going to go out. And, you know, thank goodness for those little Korean markets. I went and got like, you know, just a little bowl of something and went home. Thanks for robbing and, um Yes, exactly. And I remember at that moment thinking, this is where everyone else stops. And I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow but I'm not going back. And I have always been the type that if I don't have a plan B, I actually perform better. And in the women I coach, even at the higher, higher levels, I'm telling you, I see that often. We often will now pull out our best stuff and who we really are until our back's against the wall. I don't recommend it as a strategy, but it served me very well. It's true. We, I know many women who say, I cannot fail. That's my philosophy. But sometimes, like you say, you don't show really your goods uh, until you're about to drown. Why not do yeah. it? Why not do it earlier? What's what's keeping us from doing that? Well, this could be other whole other show, but I, I, it, in my experience and in a lot of the research that's coming out now, there's so many more layers to risk and fear for us. It's a it's a different game. We're wired differently. We literally have different processes for, you know, taking in fear and risk versus men. And so I find that like, you know, I know you have young children. I do too. The, the, the best thing I can compare it to that a lot of moms will relate to is that mama bear thing. Like suddenly, right. you know, you'll pick up a car th th that's happened, right? And those stories you read about in people and stuff, like someone picks up a car to rescue their kid, which is not actually humanly possible, I believe, but you somehow muster this strength and you don't even think about it. And, and I often feel like that's, when we are at our, our best. So what did you do that catapulted you to the next level when you discovered you were near broke? Um, 
you made a choice. What was that choice and what did it look like? For me at that time, it was doing something I was very uncomfortable with, and that was knocking on doors of ad agencies. I was a copywriter at that time. I'd gotten really good. I always loved writing in school, but I didn't know I could make money with it Um, because I wasn't like going to write a novel or anything, but I learned about writing websites and newsletters. And and that was my little business at that time. So I figured, you know, who are the most likely people to hire me? And I went and knocked on the doors of ad and marketing agencies because a lot of the smaller ones don't have full-time copywriters on staff. So I was very strategic about it. Walked around, literally dropped off packets of my portfolio. This is before we were using the web, sound old. Um, But you know what? That was so good for me because I see people today hiding behind the computer and not wanting to talk to anyone about their business or what they do or money, right? Likely. And, um, and that really was where I started. The turning point for me was the internet. When I decided to start a little email newsletter to help market my business, I started gaining followers. It took a long time but it started to ramp up. And then I started getting referrals. I started getting business. And then women, especially women were asking me, how are you doing this newsletter? And so literally I researched how to create an ebook and sell it online and started selling an ebook at that time called boost business with your own easing, had a horrible cover. I did the webpage myself. I just, you know, was looking up HTML code, but I was having so much fun because I realized I was leveraging now my time for money. And I could, I still worked with my clients and built up that, that personal services business for many years. But on the other hand, like at night was doing this internet marketing business and uh, would learn something and teach it, learn something and teach it that led eventually to workshops and courses and coaching and to a company that several years ago hit Inc 500. And, you know, uh, there was one year we were on track to do 10 million. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing journey. Um, but it, you know, it all started with that decision to start thinking strategically and using leverage in my business. How do you know how much to price your services? I know that with some of your clients, I've read testimonials that you've helped them increase revenue. What, what goes into factoring price? Ooh, you're throwing some business stuff at me. I was, yeah, I'm curious. I was, I was curious about all the money. The, well, this is money, isn't it? It's interesting. It's, it's Pricing is fascinating because you're working on two levels. One is internally and, and you and your self-worth are in, in, intrinsically, in, excuse me, intrinsically linked to what you are able to charge on the outside. If you are not confident about what you charge, it's not going to happen. That's the first level. One of my old mentors said when I said, what should I be charging, you know, per hour, for example, for this consulting, he said, as high as you can say without stuttering. And I laughed at first, but man, he, he was serious because it really was, I had to know that I deserve that number. If you're looking to price yourself, you know, to get started, it's always good to look at your market, just see what's going on out there. You want something that's not too high, not too low, start there. But as you build up, look for ways to build more value And in ways that you cannot be compared to someone else. If you have, for example, let's say you're an accountant and you charge hourly, you're not going to win unless if someone can't tell the difference between you and the other CPA down the street and you're discharging the same hourly rate, you're going to be competing on price. So that's really the only differentiator. What you have to do is learn to add more value and then look in ways to package your services. For example, not hourly. Maybe it's a monthly fee. Maybe it includes training. Maybe it includes a retreat with you and your team members that I can bring in my employees and, and do a training at your company. In advertising, they call that apples to oranges. Instead, you pricing yourself in a way that's incomparable to others will always help you charge more. 
there is something to be said about timing and also being the first. You were at a time you were starting your business when the internet was just brewing. But not only that, you saw the opportunity and seized it. I mean, if all of us had started newsletters 20 years ago, (laughs) I mean, goodness, I mean, we'd have more than we'd have if we started three years ago. So there's something to be said about your journey in that. Absolutely. Good timing. It was your instincts and it was jumping on opportunity and it was giving it time. It sounds like you were very patient. It wasn't overnight. You know, I was having a ball. I think, I think the, the, the thing I remember most about that time, you know, I remember the moments that I was, I was worried and I was scared and, and that happens. You're human. But, but I was having so much fun because I realized as well at that time, I started doing some work with a personal coach on the side and I worked on some values work and I realized my number one value had always been freedom and I was living it. And so the money at that time, as long as, look, I was living by myself in a fifth floor walk-up sublet illegal in like the Greenwich Village, right? <laughs> All I had to worry about was myself. I could have a bagel for dinner, really. Um, I just remember being so excited. And each day I would wake up and just make, look at the decisions in front of me and take the best step that was in my highest good. And, and that is how it happened from there. Take us back to your childhood. Uh, we want to connect the dots a little bit and understand what why you're hardwired the way that you are, Allie? Because not everybody mm. wakes up and has that same take on life. Let me address my, you know, my most important things today. And you're, you do it with such optimism and excitement. Growing up, what was your greatest money memory? Perhaps the memory that as an adult has served you most? Mm. Well, yeah, there, there may be two different ones. And, and the first one was I grew up in a very traditional household. My mom did not work most of my lifetime. I loved that, you know, I was the firstborn, so I got all the attention and time until the other ones came along. And, uh, you know, I loved that memory of that. However, I distinctly remember my father having a, a type of power in the household my mom did not and didn't understand it at the time. But now it's easy in retrospect to realize that that was money. It was that he had the income and my mom did not. And we didn't grow up, you know, rich. We didn't grow up poor. Probably like a lot of people listening, there were years we went to Disney and years we didn't, you know, like you know, <laughs> there were, there were, right. there were years we, there were years I got the sneakers from Sears. And then there were other years that I got the guest jeans, you know, um, my dad had a, a small contracting company. He actually had his MBA. He was extremely brilliant, but then went back to work with his father in a, in a construction business. And, um, I didn't really have an opinion about money, but I remember just hearing those conversations at the end of the hall and, and not really thinking much about it at the time, but I'm sure that stays with you. And, um, in retrospect now, it probably gave me that, that rebellious streak in that I will always be okay. I will always take care of myself. And I've always been very independent since then. Does money still translate to power in your life? Hmm. Power is such an interesting word. I mean, there's so many ways to interpret it. Yes. And the words that I link to it more strongly are freedom and choices. And especially for women right now, success takes on so many definitions. And I see that I see success now as choices for women as well, because we all want different things, but it's, it's having the freedom to have those choices. And you know what, if you, when you look at what's happening in the world today, and I don't care what political side you're on, it's becoming more and more apparent that no one's going to take care of you. And what a lot of women are not linking and not realizing is that, you know what? Money 
is going to determine now the co- the quality of your health care, the quality of the food you eat, the quality of the education you can provide your children, the quality sometimes uh, maybe even your safety, depending on what happens in the world. I feel very blessed that I married an Australian man. That actually means now our kids can be dual citizens. That gives us freedom to travel. And if something weird went on here, we can go over there. If something weird goes on there, we'll come over here. So that the freedom and choices for me are really what's more important. What could possibly go on wrong here? Anyway. I have no idea. No, it's all good. <laughs> it just gets weirder and weirder. I know. Oh I just can't gosh. read the news anymore. Oh, um, yeah. That's another show, right? Yeah. Another <laughs> another type of show. My taxes exactly. are going down. That's the only thing I'm like, I'm thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yay. But the world is coming to an end. I, I know. I'm what will it, it mean bit. for your business if the world's coming to an end, you know? And I, I know. I'll get like the last hurrah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's so sad. Let's not go there. Let's not go let's there. Let's not go there. Uh, but let's go to your financial philosophy. I kind of been going all over the place with my questions, but let's go back to my very first question that I typically ask guests, the first financial question, which is, what is your overarching money mantra? Hmm. Aligning my spending to my values in the in past with spending mistakes I've regretted or times that I bought stuff just for fun or, you know, listen, when we all start making money, it's fun to buy things you could not before and do things you couldn't before. But as I've matured, let's say over the years, you know, it it's it's a, a wonderful litmus test for me when I'm going to make a big purchase saying, is this aligning with my values? So for example, you know, travel aligns with my freedom, um, having help with my family and in the business and support that aligns with my freedom. Um, the second thing would be my definition of financial freedom has actually changed over the years. For me, it started as having a certain number in the bank which by the way, keeps going up. Okay. So when you, when you, when you make more than you feel like I'll feel safe when I have X and then I'll feel safe when I have Y and then you see what's going on in the world. And you're like, I'll feel safe when I have like a gazillion dollars. And the definition for me changed when I saw what happened in the last recession. And I saw people who had all their eggs in different baskets and then just things crashed. And I was just kind of just really starting to come into money then. And I realized at that time, financial freedom for me was not going to be a certain number in the bank. You know, you want to have a certain amount of savings and retirement and all that. And I have goals and and work on those continually. But financial freedom for me is the knowledge that if it all went away, I could rebuild this again and again and again because of the business skills I've amassed, because of the marketing skills I've amassed, because I've learned how to talk to people and have conversations, because I've expanded my network, all those skill sets could help me start a new business in any category. And that is the thing that helps me sleep at night when I do worry about, you know, cause it just, it changes. I, I loved your interview with um, Jillian Michaels, actually the whole one I was, I listened to it in a hike and I was probably speaking out loud. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm nodding my head <laughs> listening. What is she listening so, to people? Were oh, wondering. it was so, <laughs> it was so refreshing though, to hear a woman talk about that and, and how, you know, that, that she, she, you could tell now she's so empowered around money. You know, she full, fully disclosed that she was not empowered around it before. And now I feel this power in that you cannot change some external circumstances, but there are always things that you can control. Is there anything you would do differently? Mm. There, was there a failure that you experienced that, well, maybe you were happy that it happened, but 
you could have or maybe not maybe yeah. not right <laughs> i didn't have anyone good around me to get advice from so when i started coming into a lot of money i was getting um well-meaning friends friends of friends saying we have this investment opportunity we're opening up a restaurant in la um you know there's a, there's a house for sale down the street i think would be perfect for you and 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 you know if, I, I, I invested in a restaurant that went bankrupt in six months. My mom was so funny. She never said anything about it until later. She said, you never even got a good meal out of that. I'm like, you're right. Uh, I <laughs> don't take real estate investing advice from me. If I say to buy something, just run the other way. I bought right before everything crashed. Um, you know, just, I, I think if I had had more people around me to get varying opinions from and more objective people in my life, then some decisions would have been made differently. The, the other big, the big bang, which I, I kind of like that, that idea of it because, you know, it was like the destruction before the, the rebuild is that, um, I had lost control over the money in my business. And, and that's actually what, what Jillian was talking about. It was like, oh my gosh, things were happening so quickly during uh, the few years of a, a certain span that I was just trusting my business partner, trusting people, everyone who was, you know, watching all that stuff to watch it. Nothing dramatic was, you know, happened or anything illegal or anything. But I'm telling you, when I dug my nose into the books and finally sat down, I was mortified. And I take full responsibility that I was not watching the expenses of things, where money was going. I mean, double charges that weren't getting caught. Why, why did we have three subscriptions to Infusionsoft? I mean, stuff that just is mind blowing. And, and I take full responsibility because I should have had my nose in there. And the funny thing is, Pranush, I actually got excited when that happened because I knew for that moment, that moment, I was never going to be the same with money. And I remember getting all the statements printed out and I sat in my room and, and Brett remembers this, my husband, he was like, what are you doing? I, I had like a, a bottle of wine, <laughs> I had all these papers spread out and a red pen and I'm just going through it. And I'm like, this is never going to happen to me again. And it actually started getting fun. I'm just crossing stuff out and canceling accounts. I'm, I'm, I, I reduced our expenses and increased our net probably by just, I'm just going to guess $200,000 in a week, just with some changes I made. That's I how it. out of control it was. Yeah. And you know what then? Now it's kind of fun. Now it becomes a bit of a game. And I feel now so in control of what I'm creating because I, I simplified my model again, which is another part of the story. Um, and again, my business model isn't for everybody, but I, I decided when I had my kids, I wasn't quite thrilled working 12 hour days anymore. I didn't want to run these large programs. So I re-engineered and said, what's the 20% of my business that I love the most and is making me the most net and um, is making the biggest impact. And for me, that was working with leaders. For me, that was working with the women who had broken or were on the verge of, you know, they, they could feel it, they could taste it, seven figures. And I re-engineered my entire business around that. And that's been an absolute pleasure because the business is simple. I work probably three days a week. If you add it up all together, I travel with my husband and kids. We go to Australia for a few months a year. We spend the summer in California. We're based here in Arizona. And, you know, it, it's been it's been the perfect situation for me. And it all started with that moment. I'm geeking out with you right now because I also do this. I, I basically do a self-audit 
once a year, twice a year. It was actually on the advice of one of my guests who said, just go to ground zero with your budget every single year. Because here's the thing, you and with your business too, you get accustomed to certain expenses that maybe in the moment when you signed up for whatever service, you right. needed it. But then you didn't need it and you continue to pay for it. Or um, you, know, you just got accustomed to a lifestyle that truthfully you could do without or you could make adjustments and save thousands of dollars. So finding right. those rooms for improvement once a year, you um, you won't really miss it, you know, and I think that's such a smart practice. So thanks for sharing yeah. that with us. We don't see enough successful people talk about the fact, uh, a quick, very quick story that relates to that. I was writing a story on my blog about when um, we tried every version of childcare. We went from like three nannies to no nanny to like, what are we doing? You know, and, and it, it, you can find it on my blog, but I told the story about how we decided that my husband was going to quit his job and we would work together in the business because it would give us immense freedom. Like we have today, he's at the doctor with one of the kids that's very sick. I'm here. I, I moved my mom into the back with us. But what I mentioned, just just as an aside on the blog, was that we were going through our personal expenses and making some adjustments. I'm like, okay, we don't need two luxury cars, you know? Like, I, I like one. I'm a Leo. We have to have a little. I, I like my car, but you know, we don't need two luxury cars. We don't need this. Let's just let's just pull back in some areas and others. And some some of the comments, people were like, I can't believe you're sharing that. I can't believe you're talking about budgeting. And I, I mean, it, it shocked me that people think when you start making money, all your problems go away. It's, oh no. it's fascinating. It's, it's just more zeros. They're bigger problems. Mo money, usually. mo problems. Mo, yeah. P Diddy, right? Or yeah, Puff, I back then he was Puff Daddy. Um, Sean Combs, I think is yeah. <laughs> his real name. The, the latest. What happened to him? He's well, he was at the, the Met Gala. So he's still relevant. <laughs> you should, um, you should have him on the show. That'd be I should, I would love Maybe. to have some music moguls on the show. Um, he must they have, have stories, some crazy to tell. stories. Yeah, I was just mm-hmm. gonna say, my God, I if, that, if anyone knows how to get in touch with him, please. Or Johnny Depp, because he's like in uh, a lawsuit now with his financial managers who are coming on the show anytime no. soon. <laughs> I don't think so. Don't, <laughs> Although that, that's a, <laughs> I would love. I mean, I have I'm such a crush on Johnny Depp. He will always have a place in my heart. Uh, Ali, he's weird though. He's weird. He's a weird, he's a weird guy, yeah, but like but, in a sexy way. But totally sexy. Yeah. I mean, he's my. I, I actually like to think that I was the one who got him on the cover of People magazine like 15 years ago as the world's sexiest man alive because mm-hmm. I was having lunch with my friend. So this is a total derailment from our interview, but I think I love this. You'll like this story. I was an intern at Money Magazine. My girlfriend was an intern at People magazine. Owned by Time Inc., we would have lunch together. We were both at the ripe age of like 23. And over lunch, she said, all right, girls, it was us, a few of us. And she said, I need some names. I have to go back to work and we're having a meeting for an all hands on deck meeting to come up with the you know sexiest man alive. For the next people issue. This is how it happens. They just ask everyone. Yeah. You would think there was a specific vetting process. Well, I think there but- eventually like it gets narrowed down and there's a specific vetting process. But um, I, th- I thought to my, so they were naming all the people like Justin Timberlake and Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise. And 
it also depends on what movies are coming out that year. Like it's always pegged mm. out the publicity. But I said, um, how about how about our friend Johnny Depp? And uh, she said, all right, I'll, I'll pitch him. I'll pitch him at what the meeting. What year was this? What year was 2003, it? 2003, I think. I think it so was, was this like, this was wasn't like, like 21 Jump Street. This no, was like it was like the was... very first Pirates of the Caribbean was coming. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He was he was good. He was he was yeah. better looking then. And, yeah. uh, you know, six months later, he's on the cover of People magazine as Sexiest Man Alive. You're he welcome. Owes you. You're welcome. He owes Johnny you. Depp. Yeah. Plain and simple. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, yeah, we should get all these celebrities who, I mean, that's the classic story we all read in the news, but you never think it's going to happen to you, right? You, you, you see like, my God, weren't they watching their money? Like MC Hammer. Remember that story? He Remember? wasn't watching any. I know, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I think he, he actually went through a period. We should have like celebrity like makeover um, money off. Yeah. Yeah. He, there was actually a period of time. I think he's, he was so broke. He sold the rights to his songs so he couldn't sing them on stage. So a, a friend Aww. of mine years ago went to a conference and he would start doing like, he, I guess he could do up to 30 seconds. So he'd do like, and then he'd go into another song and everyone's like, boo. Yeah. They're like, well, that's all I got. I have a, I don't own the rights anymore. I bet if he auctioned off his hammer pants, he could make a really great comeback. Totally, totally. Financial but when I, you know, when that's happened to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, ex- I remember that moment thinking, this is what happens to all these stupid celebrities, like these things I read about in people, you know, and I'm like, I can, I can understand because you always see that and go, how could that happen? I totally understand how it Especially happened. musicians, because a lot of times you're indebted to the record label until you hit the big money and then you have to pay them back. You know, they You're right. like, people like don't models. know models. You know, yeah. I've interviewed tons of models and in the beginning you have to be really careful with how they spend. They live like poppers because the car service, the clothes, the hotels, that's all a running tab. And wow. once they get their first big contract, their agency takes all of that, um, most of that to pay off all of their expenses leading I up to know that, that big break. Yeah. So you wow. basically sell your your life to these agencies that promise you, you know, the big money one day and hopefully you will make it. And then it's just, you know, hopefully uh, you're flush at that point. But it's a really can interesting I, industry. Can I give one? I'm just going to jump in if you don't mind. Um, can I give one big tip that has been a godsend for me as Please. far as saving? Yes. Okay. So, so. I have no excuse to say this, but I, I really don't have budget. I don't have a budget. I've, I've always been more of a creative. I have a hard time with budgeting. But a tip I learned years ago, if I don't see my money, then I won't touch it. And so, and what I had to do is instead of saying, okay, I'm going to have 10% of my income or a certain number come out of my checking every month and go into this account and that account, if it's a big amount, it it bugs me and I see it leaving. What I still have set up to this day is little drip little drip withdrawals that I barely notice. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, these days you have all these little auto charge things and all right. that stuff anyway. So I have like three times a week bits, dribs and drabs, like going into different accounts and it just sucks it out and I don't even notice it. And you can set this up. It may take a little work, but like, for example, I have a money market and like ally, which I love. They're so nice to work with. So, so, but you can't just go set up. I want this three times a week. They're probably like, why would anyone need to do that? I do. So you have to go set up like three separate withdrawals on different days of the week. But I'm telling you, it adds up faster than you think. So even if you are just starting out, I don't care if it's a dollar a day, but when you see that start adding up and the energy of it, money, a lot of money is energy. Mm-hmm. The energy of that, seeing it add up and having that process begin starts the flow. 
and it will change your life more than you realize, especially for those of you who are more creative. And I'm telling you, when you pay yourself first, I know it's cliche, but somehow all the other bills get paid. You may think like there's just no way, but it'll happen. It's so true. It's so psychological. And there's actually an app called Digit. We've had the CEO on the show and they leverage what, exactly what you're talking about. This this psychological trick, mind trick, where you, the little bits of money certainly add up. And when you do nominal, nominal amounts of money saved periodically, twice a week, once a week, uh, it certainly adds up and it's less painful in the process. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just been my, my biggest tip. It's such a simple, silly thing almost, but, um, it, it, if I don't see it, I don't get upset that I can't spend it. <laughs> so tell us about Glambition because this is kind of your latest project. Glambition. I, I mean, I, I think I enjoy my show as much as you enjoy your show. For me, it's the, it's the most joyous thing I do because I love amazing conversations with amazing women. And uh, Glambition is my podcast. It's also on iTunes. So I subscribe to to yours, Farnoosh, and I also listen to mine. Uh, we just had Danielle Laporte on there. I know you had her on the show as well. We have amazing women like Jane Warwin, who founded Dermalogica, Kara Golden, Hint Water, um, you know, just uh, people doing change making, huge ventures in the world. It's, it varies from business to leadership and also some of the everyday success stories, like real women business owners on the ground doing their thing. I get them on to talk about how they got to where they are. What are they doing? What are they changing in the world? And um, that's my favorite thing I did. And I remember reading something about your podcast. You were saying it took a while to get off the ground and it, it really is. It's a, it's a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now just the last few months, it's just really taking off and we're getting just a ton of traction and some fantastic guests. But you have to just, you know, my whole thing is if I don't love it, I'm not doing it anymore. I've I've played that game. This ain't my first rodeo. I have to really love what I'm doing. I work with my private clients and my premier group. Those are my million dollar plus women. Um, I do uh, single strategy days with women as well if they're startups. So a lot of this deep, like one-on-one small group work with women, that's where I really get juiced up right now. I always say, spend your 20s and 30s saying yes, so that when you hit your 30s and 40s, you have the privilege to say no. I love that. You know, and uh, it's true, especially now you're a mom, twins, married, like you have... You want to have fun now. This is not about you want you've, you're not resting on your laurels by any stretch, but you want to just do what matters to you more than ever now because time yeah. is precious. It, it, it so is. And, you know, if if I'm doing something, it just has to be also just time. I mean, honestly, even if you have help and are blessed to have be able to hire help, you want to spend time with those kids. You don't just want someone else with right. them that day and night and morning and night. And so if I get five or six hours of work in a day, honestly, that's a really good day. And that forces you to get just ruthless about what is effective, what is making an impact and what is making me money. Amen to that. Allie Brown, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing all this candidness with us. Can't wait to be on your show. And everyone, please subscribe to Glenbition Radio with Allie Brown. I'll be on soon. It's, again, really lovely to connect. I've been hoping for this day for a while. Oh, I'd love this. And I want to like, we can go deeper on another call. If you want to have me back on, we'll go even like, <laughs> like, cause uh, I mean, money's, money's so uh, what, I mean, really what even, what is money? Like it's, it's, it's such a vast it's currency. topic. And- it's currency. I like to call it currency because it's sort of, for me, that is an optimistic way of looking at money. It's a currency. Mm. It's, it's a vehicle to get you from point A to point B. It's really, you're the one who's in charge. Like I like to make sure that we remember that 
money is powerless, we give money power, right? Mm. We give it direction. We give it meaning and importance and purpose. And so it starts with us. And no matter how much we're talking about, $5, $5 million, it's just paper. But when we hold it and when we apply it, it represents something. And it hopefully it represents, like you talked about, something that aligns with your values. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and for women, that's when they get really interested in it. Yes. Yes. I know. It's, it's, you know, when we talk about gender and money, it's, it's, that's a whole other conversation, but it's very, very fascinating. Do you, okay. I'm sorry. One more question. I can't sure. get off the phone with you. Um, <laughs> do you find more men are like acquisition based in, in their money power? Like they want to buy things and toys versus women doing impact? Or do you think that's kind of cliche? I always say that when women make more, the world becomes a better place because Mm. going back to what we were talking about power, I think that men and women both see money as a source of power, but it's different power. For men, it's a power to take over dominate peacock peacock right for women Mm. it's 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 a way to be powerful and meaningful in helping others and giving back and being service driven and it's true that when women are more philanthropic than men um in not just their money but in their time and in their service and so we want to put money more in the hands of women because Mm -hmm. i think it ultimately will benefit more people that said, it's also why some women shy away from making more because they somehow think money necessarily means a masculine power, you know, and it's mm. not, it doesn't resonate with them. And so they're like, I don't need to make more. I'm good. But for me, the trigger to wanting to make more, more than ever, was when I realized that it's not just about me, like making money just to serve myself. It doesn't, it's not really going to add more happiness in my life. But if I can use this money to apply it in other ways, make my family richer and more secure to starting a foundation, you know, they're leaving a legacy ultimately with this money. I think it, uh, it completely changes your perspective and hopefully will motivate you to go out there and make what you're worth and what you deserve. We need more women doing it. Yeah. A to the men. You're so money. You're so money. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, thanks so much. I know that you're super busy. And so I, I'm deeply honored that you made time for our show. Best wishes. Thanks for And I'll have you uh, see you soon on, on my show. Take care. I'll be there. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much to Allie Brown for stopping by. Her website is AllieBrown.com. She's on Twitter at Allie Brown. And please subscribe to her podcast, Glambition Radio. If you missed any of this, just hop over to SoMoneyPodcast.com. Click on the episode to get the transcript and to download the audio. And you can also leave us a voicemail or type in a question for our Friday Ask Farnoosh segments. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. So Money.